we had a lot going on in our services this weekend uh, at Cactus and Mountain Valley and at Venue and Chapel. It's all really the same. Uh, I, I feel bad for Troy, who produces the uh, worship services. When we were planning them this week, he said, my gosh, we have uh, missions committee or missions commissioning. We have the Compelled by Grace offering. We have communion. Uh, we have your lengthy sermon. And, uh, and, and he said... <laughs> You know, this service already, he said it feels like a stuffed burrito. And uh, I said, well, I said, I, I don't know, this is the Southwest. I think we like stuffed burritos in our, but it, 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 if it felt a little bit rushed to you, we, we apologize. We are uh, trying to honor God in really all the aspects going on in our church. And there's a lot of moving parts, as you can imagine, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a, an expression of a local church like this, Scottsdale Bible. And so it is kind of a busy day. But we can all sort of breathe now because we are going to go into our lengthy time in the Word. And, uh, and, and we're in a great series uh, on following, what it means to follow Jesus, not just believe in Him, uh, but what does it mean to follow Him. And last week we looked at this idea of revelation, the fact that God has revealed Himself to us and that we need to take him up on his revelation and start reading it and knowing it and following him. Today we're going to look at thirst. And I, and I think you're going to be, uh, I think you're going to be ministered to in our time in the Word. So as I always do, let's pray before we dive in. God, uh, thank you for what you are doing in our lives, in our church, in our city, in our world. Lord, sometimes when we read the news and look around, it can seem rather discouraging and we can uh, even get a bit uh, negative and pessimistic, if not hopeless, but Lord, we maintain incredible hope because our, our optimism is founded in you. Our, our, our joy is found in you, as we're going to even see today, Lord, our satisfaction and sufficiency, our all in all is found in you. And God, we're going to learn today that it begins with thirst, that if we can all own that we are thirsty people, we're off to a good start. So speak to us now through the words of Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. And we all say together, amen. So I'm going I'm to begin today by reading the small portion of scripture that we're going to be looking at here this morning and parking in front of. And as I read it, I'm going to read it in a little bit of a different way than I normally do. I'm going to read it in what I'm calling an amplified version sort of way. But what I'm going to do is read the scripture for you, and then I'm going to pause at a few key spots and sort of explain some things to you about the context, the background, the meaning of the text. Uh, and I don't usually do it that way, but you'll see why in a few minutes. I, I want us to understand this passage and then take off with, with, with what Jesus is really getting at uh, in this passage. So it's John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. And you can look up here on the monitors if you don't have the scripture in front of you. It's in your outline or in your own Bible. And, and Jesus is going to speak to us. And here's what John records. He, he says, now on the last day of the great day of the feast. Pause right there. The last day of the great day of the feast. Jesus is in Jerusalem right now, and they're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. It's the greatest feast of the year for the Jews. And what they are celebrating, or better yet, remembering, is when their ancestors wandered in the desert for 40 years. Remember that in the Old Testament? And they were thirsty, and they were hungry, and God had to provide for them. 
That's what the Feast of Booths was getting that current generation in touch with. So they would build these huts on top of their houses there in Israel. And they were very rudimentary huts. And they would live in these huts for seven days and seven nights as a way to get in touch with what their ancestors went through. And then the priests would go to the pool Siloam every day during those seven days and take water out and pour it on the altar in the temple, again, in order to get in touch with the thirst that they had uh, historically and how God quenched their thirst. With that backdrop, let's read on. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, do you see the backdrop now? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That word literally means to soak it all up. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being, that phrase means the hollow part inside of you, the deepest part inside of you where there is meaning and purpose and space, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. And then he goes on to say, uh, but this he spoke, or John goes on to editorialize, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive on that famous day of Pentecost, for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, meaning crucified and risen uh, for our sins. Uh, so I'm assuming here, and I want you guys to really grab onto this this morning, I'm assuming that you have at least a cursory interest in what Jesus is talking about here. If you think about it, gang, it's a remarkable and mind-blowing set of claims and promises that Jesus makes. As I mentioned, he's in Jerusalem. He's at the tail end of the greatest celebration of the Jewish year. And where most rabbis would have sat in the temple and just sort of taught conversationally with people, Jesus, who also was a Jewish rabbi, stood in the temple, you can almost picture it, and he yells at the top of his voice for everyone to hear if anyone is thirsty. And again, the backdrop and the tie-in to the famous Feast of Booths was obvious. Their ancestors had been thirsty in the desert for 40 years, and God provided for them in the desert. And so Jesus is bouncing off that, and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me, and let him drink of me, because he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John editorializes it, as I said, in which he says, but he's speaking of the Holy Spirit who's going to be given to those who believe in Jesus and will be the source, the flow of those living waters from their lives. And so this is the pattern that Jesus sets forth, guys. You don't want to miss this. He's giving us a pattern here saying that it begins with thirst. If you have any thirst at all, for God and the things of God, then you focus on Jesus, whom we learned last week is the revelation of God to us. And then once you do that and believe in him, he's going to deposit his spirit into your life. And when that happens, and this is what we need to wrestle with, Jesus promised that, that rivers of living water are going to start to flow in our very lives. And, and I got to tell you, that's an amazing claim. That for those of us who dare to believe in Jesus, for those of us who dare to admit that we're thirsty, 
and that we want more of God. We want more than what this life has to offer. We want more than just making a good living, more than just a few hobbies, more than just a few semi-good kids, more than just a, 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 a pretty good marriage, more than just a nice retirement. I mean, do you guys want more than that? If you want more than that, if you thirst at all for the things of God, then Jesus says, come to me, and if you come to me, my spirit will be in your life, and it will be rivers of living water flowing through your very life. That's the claim and the promise that he makes here in the backdrop of them wandering the desert for 40 years. And the obvious questions that you and I must ask at this point are this, and these are going to be tough questions for you and me. Here's the first one. Do you and I, as followers of Jesus today, experience these rivers of living water flowing in our lives as a result of our walk with Jesus? Do we? And if you answer yes to this today, then I would further ask you, what does this look like for you? How would you describe it? What would you point to in your life? right now and in your experience with God that you would dare label Allah Jesus rivers of living water flowing in your life. See, you and I have to answer those questions. Uh, do we experience what Jesus has promised here? And if so, what specifically does it look like? What, what, what are we saying these rivers are about? And, and if you conversely answer this question in the negative Maybe some of you here today or at our venues and, and campuses are saying, well, I, I'm not sure I've really experienced this yet, even though I, I do believe in Jesus. The question now we need to wrestle with is, well, what is it going to take? But what might be missing in our lives that has robbed us of this experience of rivers of living water flowing in our lives? What is it going to take for us to get this? See, guys, I think this is really an important issue for us to wrestle with. I've been a Christian as we celebrated a few weeks ago for 35 years now. And I got to tell you, there have been some days, a lot of days, where as a follower of Jesus, I, I think I would humbly say I'm experiencing the flow of the rivers of life. I, I, I am. I'm, I'm experiencing that. And, and I'll share in a minute. There's some things that I can point to. But then in my more humble even maybe broken moments, there's times where even as your pastor, I read words like these and I go, I, I, I wonder if I'm missing something. I, I, I wonder if, 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 if it just, the, the, the riverbed seems kind of dry right now. Can you relate to that? And, and I go, Jesus, what's that about? You, you promised rivers of living water flowing in my life if I believed and follow you. And right now it feels like it's a trickle at best. And, and when we're in that spot, and some of you have been there for a very, very, very long time, you have to ask yourself, as I have at that moment, what's going on? Why does my experience as a believer in Jesus not match his promise? What is missing in my life? We, we have to wrestle with that. And, and so I want to take a stab at answering both of these questions in our time remaining today. And the, take a stab at the, answering the first set of questions here. What precisely does it look like? Uh, to have rivers of living water flowing in and through our spiritual veins. And before I give you a list of what I think the Bible says this can and should look like in our lives, I, I want to make something very clear that might take the edge off a little bit for some of you, but it won't let you weasel out of this issue. And here's what I want to make clear, and that is that we do need to understand Jesus' promise here 
of rivers of living water as both a temporal, meaning here and now, as well as an eternal promise. But what do I mean by that? Uh, in the New Testament book of Revelation, the Apostle John is having visions of what heaven and the end times are going to be like. And at one point toward the end of the book, he has a vision of the new heavens and the new earth, obviously an end time scenario. And after describing this new heavens and new earth, this is what he writes. This is really important that you see this. He says, and he, Jesus said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. <laughs> Whoa. Almost identical wording there to John chapter 7. Thirst, life, water, springs, or rivers. But here it's written in light of eternity and heaven. And so what obviously Revelation 21 is telling us, and no, this isn't lost on anybody, is that for those of us who will be in heaven, there will be no more thirst, full quenching, always drinking from Jesus and the Godhead. That, that's what heaven's going to be like. And so we must understand now Jesus' words in John 7. Now watch this. The best way to understand them is to see John 7 as the beginning of that process. That when you and I come to believe in Jesus inside of heaven, it starts the flow. It begins the flow of whatever this flow is. We'll get to it in a minute here. Uh, that takes us all the way into eternity where the flow is complete. Give me a head now that you all understand that. Because again, I'm going to describe for you right now what I believe this flow is to be like. So that if our experience doesn't match it, we can change that. But the reality is, is that we're never going to have the full experience until heaven. We're still going to remain somewhat thirsty. <laughs> and I'm going to argue that's a good thing, uh, this side of heaven. And, and so with this said, let's look at our biblical list of what rivers of living water entails. And, and let's remember that these are things that we get fully in heaven. We get a, a, a taste of it now. So what results from these waters in our life? Here's the first thing, and that is forgiveness of our sin. Forgiveness of our sin. In other words, salvation. When Jesus said that rivers of living water will flow in your life, one of the first things we need to realize is he obviously was referring to our salvation in him, which is all about forgiveness. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 18. It says, For Christ also died for sins, meaning your sins and mine, once for all. The just, referring to him, for the unjust, referring to us, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. And, and so there it is. Part of the river flowing in our life is the salvation that we get through believing, through drinking of Jesus, and that as we place our faith and trust in him, our souls receive forgiveness. Now, look at a second thing that we get, and that is that we also get his presence. A huge part of the flow of the river in our life is his constant and abiding presence. Look at how Jesus would tell this to us in Matthew 28, 20. He says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he ascended into heaven. <laughs> and Hebrews 13, 5 says, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so God has promised to those who follow his son, Jesus, that he will always, always, always be with us with his presence in our lives. 
And so we have this river flowing, and a huge part of this river is his presence. And then notice a third thing that we have, and that is truth. So you have forgiveness, presence, we have truth, and truth is a huge part of this river flowing in our lives as well. Jesus says it this way in John 16, 13. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. And so that's why we have confidence that when the apostles finished the, the writings in the Bible and said that these were directly from the Holy Spirit, Jesus told us that this would be the case. And part of the rivers flowing in our life is this book that we have that gives us truth to understand God in our lives. But then it's also very personal truth. In other words, wisdom that we get from God. Uh, Paul says in Colossians 1, 9, and 10, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so again, there you got it. Part of this river flowing in our lives is the fact that God is going to speak to you. He is going to give you wisdom when you need it the most and he's gonna reveal truth to you so that you can understand him. So you got forgiveness, you got his constant presence, you have truth. And now here's the one some of you are waiting for. You also have power. And by power, I mean you have power inside you by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you that gives you strength to live life on God's terms. In Colossians 1, verse 11, Paul says it in inarguable language. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And this is obviously talking here, don't miss this gang, about personal power. Everything from strength in order to resist temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, to deliverance when we are in trouble, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 10, to the ability to stand, under, stand up under stress and endure and persevere, Hebrews 10, 36. It's power that God gives us that's part of the river flowing in our lives. And then it's even power to minister to others, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit the spirit who causes this river to flow in your life is given for the common good. This manifestation of the spirit will go on in verses eight through the end of the chapter to talk about all the different spiritual gifts that we get in our lives. Some of us are good at hospitality. Some of us are good at teaching. Some of us are good at mercy giving. God gives each one of us different gifts of the spirit. Why? To powerfully minister to others. So add this up. You got forgiveness, you got presence, you got truth, you got power. And then we get to the mountaintop and God declares the most important thing that's gonna come into our lives because of this river flowing and it's love. The love that we get from him and the love that we now give to others. We just studied this in our last series. It's Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is, say it with me, Love. Let's say it again. Love. In other words, as Larry Crabb says, love is putting Christ on display in the way you relate to others. 
And the reality is, is that you and I now have power inside of us. The rivers are flowing to love in a way we never thought possible. We now have power inside of us to be patient, to be caring, to be forgiving of those around us. And it's part of the river flowing in your life. And so look at this list again. Just look at it all now here on the monitor. What is the rivers that Jesus promised? It's his forgiveness, his presence, his truth, his power, his love, all flowing in and through our lives now by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might be ones who can live fully and freely for him. And so again, I'm not going to let us weasel out of this, gang. I got to ask you, are these the realities of the Spirit in your life? Are they? Are these the rivers of living water so flowing from your innermost being, so much so that others see them and experience them from you? I mean, let's just get down to brass tacks. Do you regularly experience his forgiveness in your life? and the freedom which comes from his atonement for your sins and the forgiveness that he gives you. Do you? Or do you go through your day messing up and screwing up left and right and then getting to the end of the day and feeling kind of cruddy about your life and then you turn on some old TV show and try to go to bed? Is that the sum of your life? I, I, I hope not. I learned years ago as a young Christian uh, in this group I was in called Campus Crusade for Christ, a college group. They called it spiritual breathing. They taught me this. They said, Jamie, go throughout your day and, and, and do an audit of every moment. And, and whenever you sin, and we usually know when we do, in a small way or big way, in that moment, confess it to God. They called it spiritual breathing. Just exhale your confession. And in that same moment that you confess it to God, inhale, spiritual breathing, inhale, his forgiveness through Jesus. And I got to tell you, I, I, I'm going to confess some of the things I'm not good at here in a minute, but I'm good at this one. You can ask him. I do this all the time. I, I'm out walking from a meeting at the church. I go, well, I said that, and I said that, and I did this, and, you know, golly, golly and I'm just going, okay, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm exhaling, forgive me for that. I, I said this, and I did that. And they go, before I get to my office and do the next meeting, I inhale and say, thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you for your forgiveness. And when I'm doing that, when you are doing that, what the Bible says is rivers are flowing. This is rivers of life flowing inside of you. You're experiencing his forgiveness. Do you regularly experience his presence in your life? The sense of him being, now be honest with yourself, with you always, never leaving or forsaking you, even in your darkest and most troubling times. Is that your experience with God? I got to tell you guys, this is so rich and important, it's hard for me to overstate it. I, I, I get people coming to me all the time asking me to pray for them. Obviously, I'm a pastor. If they didn't, I'd worry. So I love it. Keep, keep that coming. I love the fact that you want me to pray for you. Now, most 21st century Scottsdale prayer requests have to do with health. Uh, I had a bad test at Mayo or wealth, uh, I'm really struggling in my finances and I want more money, or, or my job, uh, it's not very satisfactory, or, or my kids aren't turning out right, and you know, go imagine, or things like that. And, and, and I get it, and so I receive all those prayer requests and I pray for you for deliverance, because the Bible says I should. Here's the problem though, is that I can't promise you based on what the Bible says 
that when I pray for you for deliverance, that God is going to deliver on that. Some TV preachers will try to convince you that he will. They're wrong. I'm telling you, they're flat out wrong. I know the Bible. I know it inside out. You cannot prove to me that God wants every Christian healthy, wealthy, smart, with a good job, and kids that turn out right. You cannot tell me that that's his will for everybody. I think the kids think he, he wants that to happen, but we live in a very, very fallen world. And so when I pray for you for deliverance, many times it happens, sometimes it happens, uh, but many times it doesn't. So you know what my deeper prayer for you is? Because I do know what God has promised you, is that I pray all the time, and I don't even tell you I'm doing this, but Frank, if you come to me and say, pray for me and Carol in this, I'll pray for your request, and then I'll breathe a prayer quietly to God, and I'll say, God, but even if you don't do that, would you please bless them with a deep, deep and rich sense of your presence? May they un unmistakably know that you are with them, and that even if they don't get delivered in this, they're gonna be okay because you are with them. See, I can pray that one with utter confidence. You know why? Because he has promised that. He has promised that to you and me, and it's part of the rivers flowing in our lives. Some of you say, but I don't experience that. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> we'll get to why that is. But for right now, please see, that's part of the river. So you're forgiven, you got his presence. I gotta ask you, do you regularly experience his truth to you through his word and the wisdom of the spirit? And again, let's be very clear. I mean, does the light go on in your head on a regular basis as you hear from him and his truth over your life? Is that your experience? Again, there's times I'm reading the Bible. And in fact, it happens a lot. I long for this for many of you. And I'm, I'm not even studying for a sermon. I'm just reading devotionally like I try to do every morning. And I'll read something. And it was like it jumps off the page. And I go, oh my gosh, that's true about God. That, that's true about my life. And if somehow the two can meet, whoa. And I'll find myself thanking God for his revelation. Or there's times I'm walking in my neighborhood. I like to take prayer walks. And I don't know, I think I might look goofy to my neighbors because honestly, I'm walking. You guys ever do this? And I'm talking to God, but I'm, I'm alone. <laughs> so I'm out there walking and I'm talking, Lord, you know, I'm wrestling with this. And gosh, Neil's driving me crazy and da-da-da, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of wrestling with him on that. And then I have, and I'm telling you, I have these moments where then I shut up and I continue to walk. And, and, and I really hear him speaking in, 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 in to me. Not audibly, but, but thoughts start to coincide. Start, thoughts start to clash inside of me. Insights start to happen. I get clarity on what I just prayed about. And, and, and there's times where I actually will stop in my walk and I'll, I'll just look up. I don't know why I guess you look up toward heaven and I, I just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And there's other times where I feel he's speaking so much to my spirit that I'm actually walking like this. Okay, God, I get it. I get it. I understand. Yep, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I really do. And, and that's why my neighbors probably think I'm nuts. But I, I mean, I, and I'm not bragging. I don't think I'm any different than you guys. I'm really not. This is part of the rivers flowing in our lives. That we hear him on a regular basis in his truth. Don't get me wrong. There's areas where I'm not hearing from him on. And that's gone on for a long time. And God and I are hashing that one out. I get that but there's other areas where I am hearing him from. 
Do you regularly experience his power in your life? Now, and again, let's be very clear on this. To the point that you could share with me the last time he delivered you. Or the last time that he strengthened you in the midst of temptation to the point that you had victory over temptation. Or how about the most recent time that he gave you unmistakable strength to endure a very difficult time in your life. Do you have those experiences with him? I mean, again, our elders pray all the time for people in need in this church. You know, last two times that we have prayed for people in need, Ed can attest to this, he's here today. Uh, You know, two times we got letters just in the last two months from people that the elders prayed for, and, and they said the things that you prayed for are coming true. And we're talking about physical things in their lives. Yeah, it's not a slot machine. It's not name it, claim it, or things like that. It's just that God does want to deliver us. And the prayer of righteous people matters much. Some of my heroes in this church are people that have endured very difficult things, and they would tell you that the reason that God gave, or the reason they endured it is because God gave them great strength. Are the rivers flowing in your life that way? And finally, do you regularly experience his love in your life. Now again, gang, so real that you feel it in your bones and you're able to show patience, kindness, and forgiveness to everyone in your sphere of influence. <laughs> Doesn't that cast it in a good light? See, this is where I start to fall short. Like honestly, if I'm looking at this list today, I go forgiveness, nailed it. Jesus got me on that one 35 years ago. Uh, Presence, yeah, I I feel that a lot. Uh, Truth, I'm there. Power, yeah, I I can tell you about the last time that he gave me strength and temptation and delivered me. I I, I can point to that. Then I get to love. And, And I hear my friend Larry Crabb say to me, Jamie, love is putting Jesus on display every moment of every day in the way that you relate to others. And I wanna hide. Because I go, I'm indicted right there. See, see, that's where the rivers have become a little brook, <laughs> a little tw- tr- trickle. That's why my wife says to me, whenever I leave the house many days, she'll say, be nice. And I go, why does she have to say that to me? Because again, I get in go mode and I get so passionate and I want things to happen and I can tend to sometimes run over people and that's not a good, that's an ungodly thing to do. And so I go, wow, I, I need more of the flow in my life. Jesus said, he who believes in me, as the scriptures said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so rightly defined, based on this biblical list, I ask you again, is this your experience? And again, to be fair, do you at least have the initial flow of these things in your life? A flow that you could see is picking up steam as you head toward eternity. This is a great and immense challenge that Jesus is giving us here. Matching up our lives against the Bible takes guts and honesty in your spiritual life. But don't miss this as well. We're going to turn the corner to this right now in our few moments we have remaining. And that is, this is also a promise. So it's a challenge that makes some of us squirm, but it's also a promise given to us where he says that if you come to me and drink, I will do these things in your life. The rivers will begin to flow. So that brings us to our second and final question. What do we do if we find ourselves lacking here, right? It's a really good question to ask. And I think an honest one. 
And again, I know some of you feel beat up right now today, but I got to tell you, without being too judgmental, I think this is a question that many modern-day Christians need to wrestle with. I think many of us have a Western, watered-down, paltry view of what these rivers need to look like. And if we're honest with ourselves, our experience doesn't match up to the biblical data. Uh, Brennan Manning in his famous book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, <laughs> says this, and I love this quote. He says, and I quote, uh, too many Christians are unconvicted and unpersuasive travel agents handing out brochures to places they have never visited. Wow. Do you understand what he's saying there, gang? There were a group of people who are good at talking a big game. And we dream of places that we want to go on a spiritual level, but if truth be known, we're like a travel agent who talks and dreams about places that they have never been, and that's about as far as our experience has taken us. We've never gotten on the ship. We've never gotten on the plane. We've never traveled to where God wants us to go. We're still stuck in the office saying we believe in Jesus. We got lots of verses. We know what's Trump, but in our heart of heart, we know that our experience of living waters has not caught up to what our desires and expectations should be based on the Bible. When we see a list like forgiveness, presence, power, truth, and love, we're travel agents handing out brochures to places that we've never visited. Let's just be honest in this place today. And so if you find yourself relating to this at all, you gotta ask yourself, what do we do? Or better yet, what will it take for us to experience once again these rivers of living water that Jesus talks so passionately about. And I'm going to let you know right now, and this is going to encourage many of you, the answer is not as complicated as our messed up minds think it is. It's, it's really not. The Apostle John, when he was writing to a bunch of struggling and beleaguered churches uh, in the book of Revelation, the opening chapters, uh, once was giving a quote of Jesus to a very struggling group of Christians who were also kind of dry in their lives. And look at what he says that Jesus says to them. Look at Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first. Whoa. I, I, I think that that's what God wants some of us to hear today. I'll get more to what this means here in a minute, but, but, but here is what Jesus says it's going to take for you and I to get these rivers flowing either again or maybe for some of you for the very first time. And that is that you have to admit your need, stop being so stinking prideful and self-sufficient and focused on you, admit your need, and then when you do, you enter into a dependency mode upon him. We'll talk about the strength of that in a minute. And then from that, because he's going to give you his spirit when you do, you then receive his spirit into your life. So it goes from need to dependence to reception. Or it maybe looks like this, to go to Jesus' words directly here in John 7. It begins with thirst. you got to admit that you're thirsty. And then based on that thirst, you look only to Jesus. And then as you do that, you receive the promises of his spirit. 
And, and so again, gang, it, it all comes down to this. You and I must be thirsty people. That's why I call this message thirst. Because if you don't have thirst in your life, and, and again, I don't mean to be hopeless here. I just got to be honest, frank with you. If you don't have thirst in your life right now, I can't help you at all. I'm not sure anybody can. Because by saying that you have no thirst in your life right now for the things of God, you are essentially saying this, I am fine on my own, thank you. And, and again, I mean, our world says that, but I, 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 trust me, I pastor a lot of people. I hear church people say that all the time. They don't say that overtly because they would be afraid of a lightning strike or something like that, but they say it. They come into my office and they talk to me about their issues or we're having a Coke and, and I'm hearing their lives. And when I probe a little bit about their, their, their need and their thirst, they're, well, I'm fine. I think, well, you're really not. But, but again, if you're going to be that steeped in denial, I can't do anything for you with that. We have to become thirsty people. And when we become thirsty people, by the very nature of it, here's what we're admitting. And I love, I think it was Dallas Willard that might have coined this, or maybe it was Crab. And they call it good enough Christianity. When you become thirsty, you jettison good enough Christianity. Good enough Christianity goes like this. I go to church once a week, I sing a few songs, I hear a great message, I, uh, I, I become an usher and serve a little bit, I, I try to be more righteous, I tithe 10% on the gross, and I join a Bible study. And, and that by doing all those activities... I figure I am good enough as a Christian. I feel self-satisfied. I feel good about my life. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. All of those things are good things to do. Those are things we tell you to do. But they're not magic. Doing those activities alone do not mean that you will draw closer to Jesus necessarily. All they are are tools. They're what Dallas Willard calls spiritual disciplines. What really matters is the state of your heart. What really matters is when you and God are alone, do you say, I'm thirsty, I, I want you, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Is that what you say? And then if you do, then you move on to the second hymn, because the second hymn is this, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I completely give everything over. That, that, that's what we do. And so it's all about thirst leading to Jesus and then leading to his spirit in our lives. And I'm telling you, if you get to that point, if you can admit that you really are thirsty and that you desperately need him, he will meet you in that thirst. But you gotta want it. You gotta mean it. You gotta have that fire in your belly once again. And here's my last thing to you. Some of you are saying, okay, Jamie, I get it. You're trying to fire us up to, to need Jesus and want him. I, I'm not even sure I'm there yet. You know what you should do if you're not there yet? At least be honest with him and admit that. Can you do that? I, I've gotten there. There's been times where I, get, I know, Lord, I know I need to be more thirsty for you. I know I need to pine after you more, but my heart is so hard. My prayers are so cold that I'm just not there right now. Forgive me. And you know what Jesus does with me at that time? Again, because he's always with me. He, he draws close to me. And he starts to do things in my life that help me get more thirsty. So it's a gutsy prayer to pray, isn't it? I mean, if you say to God, I'm not thirsty enough for you, but I want to be, <laughs> what do you think he's going to do if he loves you? He's going to make you thirsty. It's a drastic story, but one of my favorite stories, and we'll close with this, is 
uh, of a guy, I haven't seen him in a few years, I, so I don't know what the end of the story is, but he was a guy who probably about six, seven years ago would come to Scottsdale Bible every week. I mean, he'd been coming for years, almost like 20 years. And he lived over in Fountain Hills, and, and, and he would sit in the back like some of you do over here. And, uh, and, and he'd come to Scottsdale Bible, and, and he said, you know, I just sit in the back, and, and I'm definitely a believer. I was raised in a Christian home, and I'd hear the sermons from Daryl and now you, and I'd think, boy, they're good. And then I'd go back to my town in Fountain Hills. And he said, you know, and, and, and I played a lot of golf, and, and I was the life of the club there, and I had all my, my buddies, you know, and we'd sit around and kibitz and laugh, and everybody loved me and all this stuff. But he said, you know, I, I came every week, and he said, and, and I, knew, I knew that God wanted more of me. I, I knew that the sum of my life was not quite really, again, to use our terminology here today, it wasn't rivers of, of, of water flowing in his life, of living water. He goes, I knew there was more to be had, but I just, I was okay being content. I was okay being complacent. Uh, but then, as only God could probably orchestrate, he had a major health problem, and he ended up in Mayo in a coma for 14 days. I mean, he should have just died. And, and again, this is going to sound kind of freaky to some of you, but again, it's his story. He was sharing this with me. He said, when I was in a coma, uh, my, my mom appeared to me. His mom had gone on to heaven. And he said, my mom said to me, you're not living the life God wants you to live, and we're going to give you another chance but when you wake up, you better abandon yourself to Jesus. And he woke up from his coma. <laughs> and the first thing he did was make an appointment to see me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, and, and, and guys, here's where this gets rich. Please, please follow logic here. I'm sitting in my office listening to a story. And, and, you know, again, part of me wanted to say, well, all right. Are you tithing 10% on the gross? And are you, uh, are you serving anywhere? And, and are you in a Bible study? And, uh, you know, and are you sharing your faith? And are you working in a soup kitchen? And I, I went through all the things that we ask people to do. And you know what I thought to myself? I kid you not, I thought to myself, I don't want to ask him to do any of that because I don't want to ruin where he is right now. Does that make any sense to you guys? I didn't want to water any of it down. Not that those things necessarily would. But I thought, I don't think God wants him to now get busy with other things. I think God wants him to be in that, that space that he created for him. To say, abandon yourself to me. I got you where I want you. I finally have your attention. And I want you. I, I don't want just your service. I don't want just your money. I, 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 don't want, I want you. And when I have you, the rivers will start flowing. And you see, I've only had a few experiences like that in my life, but there have been times where I'm digging my heels into, and God, in his wonderful grace and mercy, has bring, brought circumstances into my life. Maybe that's happening for you right now, in which he does that to get my attention. He brings me to a place of brokenness so that I might look only to him. I've said for years, there's an easy way and there's a hard way to brokenness. <laughs> the easy way is to humble yourself and admit that you need him. The hard way is to dig your heels in and just hope that if he loves you enough, he'll break you. And I think he does love you enough. And he's going to break you. But wouldn't it be better if we just admitted our thirst? Wouldn't it be better if we just listened to the words of Jesus today? Let me read them for you one last time. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
but he's been glorified and the spirit's been giving. Let the rivers flow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the words of Jesus here that act as such an immense and encouraging challenge to me in my life. And God, I have to believe they do for many of these dear folks too. And God, I also have to believe that there's not one of us here today or at Cactus or at Mountain Valley or at Venue or at Chapel that doesn't want more of you. God, we want more of who you are and what you're about in our lives. And we deeply are thirsty people. And so God, as we admit our thirst, would you meet us? Would you meet us in that innermost place of our souls? And as we focus on Jesus and abandon our lives to him, God, would you let the rivers flow in our lives, we pray. Thank you for all that you are to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all say together, amen. amen.